listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. This is a new episode. We're driving. I'm here with Esther Ku. Am I saying it right, Esther? Esther Ku. Does it mean anything in Korean? Um, apparently, the name Ku means tiger, but I don't know. I think I heard that from my parents once, and my yeah. parents are notorious uh, liars. So I don't know if that's really true. If you're Korean, please reach out to me. Because I think that that last name. I think that's the first time I'm. I heard that first time with you. That oh. doesn't sound like a very common Korean last name. Really? It? You've never met another Ku? Mm-mm. Really? Yeah, it's not common. I feel like I got lucky. So, literally, like, we met not even 24 hours ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. And we've been to Denny's and Little Osaka together already. So... Well, I've heard about you for years, and... People have always told me about Yoshi bringing boxes of porn for all the comedians, and I was just like, I need to meet this guy. I've seen you a couple of times, but like every time I saw you, I think you were busy, ready to do a show or talking to a friend or something. And I just, uh, you know, why bother people? But yesterday was perfect timing because our friend Josh Prez asked us what, I think he called me two days ago, a day and a half ago. Anyway, we did a show last night, Brea Improv, and we started talking, and we got along well, I very saw, well. Well, I saw you first on stage, and I was just like, you're so funny. I was just dying laughing. Well, you were making me laugh because you were funny, but also the laughter. Like, did your parents ever get embarrassed because it's so loud? Yeah, actually, my parents have always... It doesn't bother me, by the way. Okay, good. I could tell that you're still here, but... <laughs> <laughs> but my parents have always... You know, they'll like curse in Korean. Yeah. I don't really know Korean, but I know all the curse words because that's all they like would... Like hisaki and all that stuff, right? Like, you know, like... Yeah. So they would always say things like, oh my God, no one's ever going to want to marry her because she's so loud, you know? If I take her to Korea, then she's going to be laughing on the streets like that and people are going to be like, who the fuck is that? You know? So... They are kind of embarrassed by my laugh. Like my mom would always tell me to like laugh like like quieter. I don't understand that because I'm really loud too when I go back to Japan. But right. I, but what can't they see as like being gregarious? Like a fun person to be with. I know and like I mean, Italians are loud but like it's kinda of fun loud, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Latinos are loud as fuck. And so let me figure out where I'm going. By the way, we were driving to Malibu with Russell Peters' place. I got to drop off a couple of gifts for his cousin's kids. And uh, Esther was kind enough to drive me over there. And I've, I remember to bring my recording device. And I'm always li- late releasing episodes, so this was perfect. Um, you were very funny last night. And I used to laugh because I, I, would, I would read certain blogs and people would be complaining about you which I love because people always complain about me. So like, 
it's very lonely when you do first of all if you're an Asian person doing stand-up comedy in America it's a pretty well stand-up comedy is already a lonely business right you right. go on the road I think, I think everybody would say that they're, they feel lonely right but especially if you're Asian and people complaining like I don't do this material to trying to hurt people's feelings because genuinely the stuff I say is stuff that makes me laugh right right and I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings or have a room full of disappointed look which I have <laughs> tons of time but for me it's almost worse for you because you know if you talk bad people think you're a bitch and now you're not even being bitch you're just like you have a right to defend yourself and you were telling me did you tell me some guy saw you at the subway in New York City yeah, and we, you could tell right away you, you're going to have a problem with the guy. Right. I got on the L train one time. Okay. And that's when I was carrying a guitar with me all over the city. Right. And I got on the L train. I was going to Brooklyn. And this Asian guy saw me. And he approached me and just said, yo, are you Esther Koo? And just by the tone of the voice he said it in, I knew that, like, he hated me from, right. you know... Uh, AngryAsianMan.com or something, you know? Right. Holy oh. shit! Fucking A. This car just swerved in front of me, almost hit me. Um, But, so I saw him, and yeah. as soon as he said that, I said, Yeah, you got a problem with that? You know, like I knew I had to like come back strong because right. it, it seemed like he wanted to like start trouble. Yeah. And, like, there's just, like, random people on the subway. And people are just looking at us, like, what is this all about, you know? But what did he say? That this part of the kind of laugh. <laughs> he goes, I go, yeah, you got a problem with that? He goes, yeah, I do. But I'm not going to beat you up. But I'll send my sister to beat you up. I'm like, what's going on with this guy? Right? <laughs> did he even tell you what? Well, first of all, I don't I don't think you do either. But I don't have a problem with people not liking what I say. But you, you still have to talk to me as a person, you know? Like, like a threat. Right, it was the mildest threat that ever, but yeah. it was still like a little threat, and it was almost funny, you know, like okay, go send your sister to beat me up. Like, right. how much does she weigh? Are we a are we an equal battle here? You know, what, what what kind of Asian was he? I don't know. I never. He just got off the train and left. Huh. So, and, and, and I'm sure that wasn't the first or last time you you got that right. Um, you know, that was like one of the few in-person confrontations. Right. Usually, usually, you know how Asians operate. They'll email you and blow up your inbox. But then when they see me in person, they probably, you know. Tone it down. And yeah. I'll be completely fake. Yeah, yeah. I just, I get more hate mail than anything. So what do you, what do you, what's your interpretation of somebody? Like, tell me a couple of common things that they say, like. You're what? You're a disgrace to the Asian community. <laughs> uh, what what do, what does your father, what do your brothers think about you bashing Asian guys? And, you know, like, like what are you going to do when your kids turn out Asian? And, you know, like, they think I'm, like, this horrible person. And they, they want to, like, kill me and shit. You know? So, I don't know. Do you still get that, or...? I do get that, yeah, because not because like the the videos are still on YouTube and stuff, so people will some people will just find them, right? You know, or like they're in college; these Asian kids are in college, and then you know they're all gung ho Asian. So, 
Well, one of my friends, you know, he he um, he taught English in Japan. He's Japanese American. He taught English in Japan for like three years. Mm-hmm. And last week of living in Japan, he did a lecture. He speaks pretty good Japanese too, but he did a lecture where he filmed it. He said, "Are Japanese racist, right?" If he put on YouTube, oh my god, I was worried for him. I don't want. I don't want to mention. What was him. the answer? Yes, Japanese are oh, racist. Oh yeah, like, but the thing is, most. See, most Japanese think they're not racist because, for for one thing, they don't interact with foreigners, so they don't have chance to be racist, right?、Mm-hmm. But he would give example like the way Japanese should treat their ethnic groups in Japan. Like once he explained, like this is actually discrimination. They didn't even know they were discriminating against certain groups of people. So he was explaining because Japanese was the Americans so racist. No, no, we're just honest about the things that happen here, and we talk about it. But just anyone, anyone could be racist. You know what I mean? But they physically threaten him. Because what did he say? That Japanese people are racist against well, like black get, people, or there's some of that. Some one of the prime minister from years back. You know, the reason why America is going down the toilet is because of Mexican blacks and shit like that, and huge backlash against him. Or he's like the Donald Trump of Japan. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. And like even Japan, they're prejudiced against people from Okinawa. They're like they're Japanese, but they're considered like the Puerto Ricans of Japan, right? They're little darker, shorter, and stout, but they're still Japanese. But the Okinawans like outlive everybody else in the world, don't、they're, they? Yeah, they have more 100-year-olds per capita than anywhere else in the world. So why do they hate on them? <laughs> You know, I think Okinawans are cool, from what I've read. Yeah, and well, it's just like you know, people in Tokyo will make fun of everyone outside of Tokyo because that's the most important place in Japan, supposedly.、Mm-hmm. It's very provincial, right? I'm sure even if you go to Korea, people from Seoul probably make fun of people from Busan or something like that. Yeah, from the country. Yeah, so it's it's there's there's a little bit of that, but I sympathize with you because I got plenty of that stuff. But at least I'm a guy and six foot one. Like I will talk. I can't fight, but. Oh. It's easier to attack girls, I think, you know. To attack girls? I mean, yeah. Then, because sometimes these guys don't realize how much taller I am. Right. And I, I could tell the. <laughs> how did you get so tall, Yoshi? I mean, I don't know what happened. I'm always the tallest in the family. Everyone's shorter in my family, but that kind of helped. But、um, so, I mean, how are you dealing with it? Because. I've only knew not even twenty four hours. I could tell you do you do say edgy stuff, but you're a decent person. I could tell. Right. And I know he. I know you have a feeling. <laughs> I know he bothers you, right? Um. I'm so used to it. Like whatever, well, you know. Because well, it, when I first um. Were you surprised? First of all. Yeah, I was surprised because.、Uh, I didn't think I was saying anything that crazy. I thought I was just being funny, or like in my family, like growing up,、yeah. like we go hard on each other, you know, like we make fun of each other、yeah. in like a very mocking, almost like a, you know how you say Italians are loud,、yeah. you know, like like my family is like that, right? Like we're very loud, and I guess we're not traditional Korean. In that respect, in that way, because、right. when we interact with other Koreans, like we always notice that other Koreans are like more well-behaved than us, yeah, and they'll bow to their parents or grandparents, and we're just like, ah, we're not bowing, whatever, fuck you, you know, we're in America, you know, so shit like that. So we're just more like, I don't know, 
You guys just keep it really real, right? Basically. Yeah, like we're from you know Chicago, and it's it's like we grew up in like a heavily Mexican populated area of Chicago, right. so it's just like that became more part of the culture, I guess, than you know the Korean thing did. But where are you? Where are you now? Um, you must like get used to it. You're comfortable with who you are, and it's annoying, but. You're good with it now, right? I mean, I mean, you yeah, yeah. No, at first, um, I, I was like worried, like, should I wear a bulletproof vest to my shows yeah. because I'm getting all these death threats? But then, like, I just kept doing shows, and I was like, okay, nothing's happening. Nothing happened. Yeah. So I'm like, if George Zimmerman is still alive, I gotta still be alive. Right. You know, it's like more people want to kill that guy than want to kill me. Were you family or? Like your parents or your brother was concerned, or, or no? Oh, they didn't know what was going on. Do you tell them? No, they didn't know what was going on. Right. They never know what's going on. I moved to New York without telling my parents, you know. Oh. <laughs> and they found out, and they were like, "Are you? Do you live in New York City now?" And I was like, "Yeah." But 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 why would you tell them? Because it doesn't concern them. Like my parents are like. <laughs> Sound just like me. My parents are just like they weren't cut out to be parents. They never read a book on parenting. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, they just were so absent-minded, and they thought kids were like your slaves. And like, I grew up massaging my mom with my four siblings. Like, you know, like they put us to work and shit. Yeah, like in the way that I don't know. See, it's confusing to me how much. Of this behavior is attributable to Asian culture, right. and how much it is because my parents are just fucked up. I because see. when I went to college, I'd be like, "Yeah, man, my parents are so Asian. They never threw a birthday party for me." And they'd be like, "My parents did," and I'd be like, "Oh, I guess it's not an Asian thing." You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. blame I blamed so much on the whole Asian thing, which is which is why I, I get why I was bashing Asian so much early in my career. Do you? <clears throat> Do you think you would have been different if you grew up with a bunch of other Asian kids, do you think? Because didn't you tell me there, you were the only Asian kids in your class or something? Well, I did grow up with a bunch of Asians because um, the church that I grew up in uh. was all Korean. So we would, you know, be part of this Korean church, but my school was, you know, super American. So there was, um, you know, I would like go back and forth between these two worlds. And when did you... So when did you start thinking about doing stand-up and stuff? How did that happen? Um, you know, I was a writer on my high school newspaper. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I wrote all these like funny columns and stuff, and I would take quotes from teachers and take it out of context and put it printed in the paper. <laughs> right. It was under a column called verbatim, and um, you know, I would get teachers in trouble because like I would catch the gym teachers saying some fucked up shit to some like fourteen-year-old girl. You know, and stuff like what? that. Yeah, you know. So like, one time I overheard a gym teacher at my school say, "Hey, Natalie, why is your left breast bigger than your right?" You know, stuff like that. Yeah. And so I would like, the teachers I didn't like, I would like blow up their spot in the paper. And then the teachers I liked, who I thought was were funny, like my English teacher, he would say things like, um, "Hey, I read your papers this weekend. 
you know, your intros and conclusions suck, but you had nice bodies, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like funny shit. Yeah. So I was like fan, I was a fan of like my funny teachers because I, I thought like, hey, being funny, like keeps you entertained and you learn. So, so they must, well, some of them laugh, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I had, I had my supporters. But when you said that the breast comment, what happened? Did he get in trouble? Yeah, like they would call these teachers to the dean's office and like the dean would have a talk with them. And then what happened afterward? They must see you in the school, right? Yeah, some of the teachers fucking hated me. <laughs> That's really funny. So yeah, so when I got all this hate mail, yeah, I was already used to it because I had gotten so much hate mail in high school. Right. And one time I went to um, the bathroom in my high school, and there was on the wall somebody wrote, um, "Esther Koo, go to hell, die!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, look, people know me, you know, in this high school of 2,000 kids, you know, somebody took the time to write me a note on the bathroom wall. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, um, so then uh, when I was writing on the paper, right. all these kids would always like, all these popular kids in my school would come up to me and be like, hey, I always read your articles first. And yeah. I thought that was such a big ego boost. So they're like, oh, you're so funny. I only read your articles. And I was like, thanks. And I just like kept hearing that from like the football players and yeah. the cheerleaders. And, you know, I thought I was like so cool. And um, did and somebody then, tell you tell you to do stand up? Yeah. I mean, you know, my choir teacher was always like, you should do stand up. You're really funny. And I would just hear that. Right. You know, once in a while and stuff. So it's like, you know, when you hear that from adults, you're like, yeah, maybe I should do comedy. Like, sure. So I I just was like, I just, see, right after high school, <laughs> that's when I should have moved to New York and just started stand-up. But um, I went to... But I could kind of understand, if you grow up in a real, like, Asian family, I mean, show business is probably one of the last things last option really right like they expect yeah. they expect you to be a I don't know dentist accountant lawyer well, engineer you know what my parents never like expressed that they wanted me to become a doctor or a lawyer or any of that right because they were kind of blue collar you know mm -hmm. so it's not like my postal worker dad's gonna be like you better be a lawyer right you know so they never really expressly stated what they wanted me to become they just, uh, in fact, I wanted to go to a university, which I did, but they wanted me to go to a junior college to be closer to home. To First two years. To be, you know, a servant of God at church. Oh my God. Yeah. So. And, and, and where did you finish your four-year degree at? What school? At University of Illinois. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And were you doing stand-up in college or? No, I would go watch like um, improv troops perform mm -hmm. and I wouldn't talk to anybody. I didn't even make friends. I just would sneak in and just watch and leave and just looking at them wanting to do what they do. Right. And I never really had the balls to like start in college. The improv stuff, is. do you think that's a bit of a like, you have to have a certain personality to do it? I mean, it's not the same thing as stand-up, you know? I think you have to have more friends. Really? What, what do you... What, what do you is, is it because stand-up tend to be loner? Yeah, I think loner types gravitate more towards stand-up. Right. And, like, people who are, like, cheery all the time and have a lot of friends do improv. 
you know. That makes sense. Yeah, that's like the stereotype. Because it, for stand-up, it's all or nothing, you know? I don't want to like blame my castmates for a bad show. I'll blame myself. So you started doing it during college? I'm sorry, or after? After college, yeah. Okay. So... So tell me the scenario. What was that like the first time? Well, I had moved to Boston. Okay. And I took an adult education class on comedy, on stand-up. And were you there when Joe Wong was there? Yeah, I know Joe Wong. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, we were there in Boston at the same time. I think that guy's brilliant, his material. Yeah, he's so funny. Did you see him at the um, White House dinner? Yeah. Perform? Yeah. Now he's a big star in China, have his own TV show and everything over there. Does he have his own TV show in China? It's crazy. Shut up. I, I just saw something, because I just want to know, like, Joe was the only second person performing Letterman. Right after the set, Letterman offered him, like, a sitcom deal, right? Something like that. Uh-huh. First one was Ray Romano. That's how wow. Everyone Loves Raymond was created, right? Yeah. But the problem is... Um, this is this is what I'm speculating. We'll go back to your situation in a minute, but I used to be friends with Mitch Hepburn, and Mitch used to tell me like, you know, they say I'm really funny, and he was. He was one of the best stand-up comic all time. But they always ask him, well, what else could you do? And remember that bit that Mitch does, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a chef, but like, if I was a chef, they'd be asking like, do you know how to farm? <laughs> it was never good enough because they really didn't know what to do with Mitch, right? Yeah. And I think it's probably true for Joe Wong because he's a funny writer and performer, but what do you do with him? Like, does he act? Like, I, I think, you know what I'm trying to say? I'm not bashing the guy. Like, I, what do you do with him? Uh, you know, there's plenty other, like, stand-up. Maybe the return's not strong, but personality, they go act. That seemed more easier to make a sitcom around him, you know? That, but he does have a sitcom? No, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know why he went back to China because maybe they were not able to do it or he got homesick. But I saw something in New York Times weekend edition, like, I don't know, a month ago, a month and a half. And it was all China episode of, like, comedy scene in China. And there was a picture of him, like, hosting his own show in China. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and most Chinese people said, like, we don't know when, when, when to laugh or... I, don't know, I know, Chinese people need to be told when to laugh. I can't tell, like, was he doing stand-up in Mandarin Chinese or was he doing stand-up in English to expats or only English a second? Well, what makes him so funny is his strong accent Yeah. in, in English, you know? Like, people just... He can say anything and the whole room will erupt in laughter. His material is so strong. But his material is also so strong. It's so strong. His accent is just killer. Like, it's so funny. I don't know who he was and somebody called me, hey, you should check out your cousin's on the show. <laughs> yeah. And I think most, well, I think most stand-up comics know that getting on Letterman was probably the hardest thing to do out of all the late night talk show, I think. Yeah. And for him to be on it, like, at least twice. And I, I, I always love his material. Kind of reminded me of poor man's Woody Allen, because in my opinion, Woody Allen probably was the one of the best, if not the best joke writer of all time. Yeah, he is like a Woody Allen. So, he should write movies, Joe Wong. Yeah, 
and I, I think this is great that he's bringing. There's always they always had comedy in China, but not stand-up comedy. You know what I mean? What do you mean a, they always had comedy in China? Well, they had comedy shows and comedy performance, right? Did they? Yeah, but not stand-up comedy. Like stand-up, a variety show. Yeah, stand-up comedy is like distinctly American form of art. You know, like yeah. I and many other people think Mark Twain was probably the first stand-up because he used to do, you know. Travel all over the United States, and he, and even in, in in Europe, give lectures, you know, and they're hilarious, you know. And no way. Like, yeah, this is like mid 1800s, you know. Wow, that's so cool. So, so you were hanging out in Boston, and I have to say, Joe once said Boston's a perfect place for a guy like him because, you know, 50 mile radius in downtown Boston, you have more college and university than anywhere else in the country. So there's a lot of students. And they're not bothered by people like Joe, but uh, as you know, what, what is this healthy? There's a lot of blue-collar kind of roughnecks in Boston too, right? Right. So it's a, it's a really interesting combination. But he said it was a great place for him to do comedy, and I think you said you moved to Boston because at the time they were saying Boston was maybe one of the best places to do comedy, right? Well, I read it in a book, in a tourism book about Boston. <laughs> It said Boston boasts one of the best comedy scenes in the country. And I said, I'm going. <laughs> but I could have been reading a book about San Francisco or right. anywhere. This is so great because, you, you know, Eiko moved to Boston first. She did? Yes. No way. When? Uh, you know why she you know why she went to Boston? Why? Because she was a fan of, uh, what's that group? Kids in the, Kids in the, what? Kids in the Hall? No, no, um. What's new the, new kids on the block. Yeah, he lo- she loved that. So aren't they from Boston with Mark Wahlberg and those guys? Oh my God, she moved to Boston for from the Tokyo n- because she was fan of that dance and shit like that. Oh my God, that is hilarious. So I think she was there before you. Yeah. But she she was there. Then eventually she decided to move to LA. But even Rosie Tran, you you know you talked to her last night. I'm getting the fuck out of New Orleans. I'm tired of this little town. I'm going, and like she left, you know. So, I gotta hand it to you guys. Like at such a, such a young age, it's easy to it's easy to move to a new city when you're young. Yeah, but I mean, it's pretty ballsy for like you know. Ballsy. What else was I gonna do? Stay in Chicago and be miserable? Well, I mean, I love Chicago, you know. So like, it could have been worse. You know, Iowa or something. Nothing against Iowa, but <laughs> but it's cool that you guys took initiative. Something against Iowa. Um, I went to band camp in Iowa. Another five miles right hand side. I'll, I'll remind you. So this is Pepperdine University right here on right hand side. Nice, so beautiful. Um, okay, so how did you find? The, okay, so you went Boston. What was that like? Um, Boston was all right. It was very. I was part of this, like, I started the comedy studio on the second floor of the Hong Kong restaurant in Harvard Square. And the guy who ran that club, he he boasted about, like, having a lot of alternative comedians come out of there. Yeah. You know. Um, But, I don't know. It was very, it's a lot of white guy comics, and they all, like, play poker and... You know, I didn't get up as much as I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, you were working too, right, during the day? Yeah, I had a day job. 
and everything. So that played into a little bit. But um, but when I moved to New York, yeah, I saw a huge shift. People were a lot more open to having a female comic on their shows than people in Boston were. You know, I was getting up a lot more in New York. I felt. Huh. I was like, fuck! I should have moved to New York a long time ago. And what changed? I mean, what changed for you in New York? I mean. Man, it, everything changed. I mean, I was just, I was just getting up more because there's just more female comedians in New York, and right. I don't know. Boston can be very old school, and like, you know, hey, we're Irish and we want run this town. You know, like, who the fuck is this girl? You know, like, they're just because I was an outsider, so they didn't know me. Yeah. And like, you know, if they're all running their shows, and you know, we're the townies, and. They look at me and I'm driving this like fancy corporate car and you know like yeah. I felt like they thought I was like somebody that I wasn't but I don't know. So what 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 was your first break? Um, was it Howard Stern show? What was? No, it was Last Comic. So you got on and um, when you did it, did you know right away they're gonna pick you? Well, I actually auditioned in Boston. Okay. And they said that I'm too green, and I didn't blame them because mm -hmm. I was really new. And then when I auditioned in New York, they picked me. And same year? No, 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 different year. Okay. And then I I made it to Vegas to the semifinals, and then I made it to the finals. And every step along the way, I was like, please cut me out, please cut me out. Like, I should have just told. Looking back hindsight, I should have just told the producers. Hey, like, I don't want to go further. Well, what was the thinking behind that? Because I didn't have any more clean material to last me if oh. I had to battle somebody. I see. So who, I was like, who was the prominent people on the show? On my season? Yeah. Who Luke, won? Um, Eliza Schlesinger. Wait, is that the season with Amy Schumer too? No, she was on with the Doug Benson year. Was it was it year before or year after? You know, I don't... I don't remember. Oh, for some reason, I thought Amy and Eliza was the same year. I thought no, it was no. me and Eliza. And was she nice to you? No. She was not. No, she she barely even spoke to me. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I I'll be honest, I I don't want to lie because she was. I, I talked to her a couple of times. She was nice, but uh -huh. I couldn't understand. You're two pretty girls in the show, in a comedy show. Right, of course she'll be nice to you. Yeah, because I'm not a No, like we were roommates, right? Yeah. And so we shared a bathroom and one time I was taking a shower and uh, she comes into the bathroom while I'm like taking a shower. Yeah. Right? And then she goes around and tells everybody um, that I have <laughs> the body of a 13-year-old girl. Right. And I'm like, don't go around saying that. Everybody wants to fuck a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. You know? I'm like, that's not... <laughs> Wait, she said that on the show? No, no. <laughs> no, just like... They did. I would Just like off camera, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Man. Yeah. Nietzsche, the German philosopher, said there's nothing more dangerous than women. And the, the rumor and gossiping. God, you guys are so good at it. I mean... Yeah, man. It's dangerous with you guys. <laughs> I can't believe. I don't like to waste my time gossiping. Yeah. You know? But it's necessary, though, in Hollywood. It's necessary? <laughs> Why? 
because you know what it is about, and this is something evolutionary biologists said, when you share and gossip with someone, you're basically... You, you bond with them. You're, exactly. You're forming some sort of alliance. Like, I trust you enough. I'm telling you personal stuff. You tell me. So there's a practical reason why they do that. And I know uh, people from East Coast, like Boston, New York, they always say LA is fake. I mean, that's an easy thing to say, but it's more nuanced. It's, it's LA is, uh, you really have to pay, you have to pay attention to things that is not that obvious. Yeah. It's one of the most important skills that you can learn in show business. When you go into the room for people, figure out who's, your, who's on your side, who's not. That's really important this town. Right. Let me tell you. Because there's a lot of backstabbing going around. Um, and that's that was like the concern I had. Like, I'm not related to you, but Michael, Rosie, Bernadette, all these nice girls that I know doing comedy in LA, you know, very protective. Because yeah. I know you got some of you guys do edgy material on stage, but off stage, you don't have that kind of ruthlessness that other girls who pretend to be really nice on stage and they're just a fucking twat you know what I mean that's why you can never figure out who's what you know I know you can't tell who's who from watching their act from purely watching their act because you might think oh my god this guy is a motherfucking misogynist you know and then you meet him off stage and you're like he's so respectful towards women so you Bill never Cosby, know clean that Exactly. You couldn't get any cleaner than the guy. Yeah. Allegedly raped 40, 50 women at least, you know? So um, you really need to get to know people, you know? So that's why I just thought whenever people complain about my act or yours especially, like, how fucking stupid are you? Like, you need to read between the line how she behaved in her real life, you know? Yeah. Like, people used to get mad at Dice, but, like, he's a really nice guy off stage. I'm sure he is. <laughs> you never hear Dice raping people, but he, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's a horrible human being. Yeah, he's saying ridiculous stuff so over the top. You, how could you take that seriously? Right. You know, so I don't, I don't know why we, we got out of the tangent. But, um, so you started doing last, so you went finalist. That's a great accomplishment. Good job. Well, I was like a nervous wreck the whole time. Yeah. I was just like, I don't want to go further. <laughs> So, when you got, when you finished the show, um, was it helpful? I mean, did it do anything for you? I mean, obviously your name is out there, right? Yeah, it, um, I don't know. I think I kind of did it a little too early. Yeah. Because um, it was helpful in some ways, but in other ways it was almost detrimental. You know, when you get exposure too early, it's like, then I started playing all the clubs in New York. Yeah. But then, all of a sudden, I started not playing the clubs in New York. What, what happened? <laughs> you know, because like... They, they would, stopped inviting you? Well, or? because they would give me these 20-minute spots. And at that point, I only had like 10 minutes or, right. you know. So, I would be stuck. Like, I would get out of these spots, these paying spots. But I couldn't really back it up, you know. How is it now? Now, it's great. Now, I, you know, uh, it's, it's awesome. Like, I can, you know, hold my own and... I want a headline and sure. you know like it's fun now but back then it was like nerve-wracking so how much time after doing Last Comic Standing you did the Howard Stern show I did it the same year because to me I was more impressed that you did the Howard Stern show 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, I the thing about Howard Stern, um, I never really did my research. Yeah. I should have like listened to Howard Stern before going on it. And well, I, maybe that was good because if you knew too much, you might have been nervous too. You know. That's true too. Yeah. Sometimes I don't like over researching either. Um, but I just got like these Facebook messages from people saying, "Hey, they're having this contest. You should enter it." And then I just did. And I was like, okay, if I get in, I'll just do it. But I, I'd never been on a radio show, period. Right. I've never even done a podcast, because podcasts didn't exist back then, you know? So... And this was like the hottest funny girl something something, Hottest right? funniest chick contest. Right. Yeah. And you were all with April Macy? Yep. And Whitney Cummings. So oh, like, I didn't know Whitney was there. Yeah, Whitney Cummings was there. And... You know, we were just three girls just, you know, entering this contest back then. Like, we had no idea Whitney's going to blow up like that. We, um, it's coming up in half a mile, but was she nice to you, both of them? Um, it was just like one of those things where... It was too competitive? Right. It's not that they weren't nice to me, but... You guys were trying to win. We're in a contest. So, already when you put people in a contest... I don't know how many people are going to be nice to the, their competitors, you know? Yeah. If it was a showcase, it would have been different, Stop I'm sure. slowing down. But, um... Uh, slow, slow, uh... You're going to turn right here at the flag. Sorry. <laughs> okay. And, um... Now right. everybody knows Russell don't do that here lives by the flag. Um, <laughs> but, no, um... But then, like... I recently saw April Macy in um, Rochester when I did a a college show up in Rochester. She was playing the comedy club up there. Yeah. And so we hung out and smoked weed and, you know? She was very sweet the one time I met her. I think she was dating yeah, Gary Goldman or something she's like really, that. Really, she's really nice. And Wendy, I don't know. I've done probably a dozen shows, but she never remembers. Uh, <laughs> really? How can you not remember Yoshi? Um... I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know she she is very professional and paying attention. So maybe she's focused. Uh, you're gonna turn uh, left into. You're gonna almost? cut this out of the podcast, right? Oh, why? Everybody's gonna know where he lives. Turn left here <laughs> and park. Uh, park behind that fancy old car on the far Holy left shit. side. Holy shit! In front of it? Uh, behind it. That's fine. Behind it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Look at all these Mexicans Russell has working for him. Okay. Um. All right. So. We'll talk about the Howard Stern thing, if I remember, when we get back. Okay. All right. Bye. <clears throat> so, I'm, I'm recording. I don't, it's been, what, seven, eight hours? <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. What time did we get there? I don't remember. Um, because it's 11.37 p.m. now. And I met up with you at what time? Uh, three? And we got to Russell's house at like what four thirty? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It's been seven hours, I think. I remember we were talking about um, we were about to talk about Howard Stern, I guess, when you were on it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we can't just go back to the podcast. We were in fucking Russell Peters's fucking palace. Oh, slow down. You know. Yeah. What I, did you think? I've never been to a mansion in my whole life. That was my first time. You didn't see houses like that when you were living in New York City, like uh, Long Island or something? Or um, what's all those fancy, fancy places in Long the Island? The Hamptons or yeah. something? 
I mean, no. you got some crazy homes in that part. No, I've never been to the Hamptons, and um, no, I mean, nothing like on that level. Right. With a, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, that was insane. It's like, yeah. you, when you're standing in his backyard, you don't even see other houses. Like, I've been to, like, houses in the Hollywood Hills or, like, yeah. in the Berkeley Hills or something that are amazing and... It's acre and a half. It's an acre and a half? Yeah, because when you're standing in his backyard, you just look out and see the ocean. Right. It's like you own the mountain. My God. That was inspiring. You know? Like, a comedian made all that money to be able to fucking buy this third house. I'm going to eat this ice cream sandwich from Russell Peters' freezer. Because um, <laughs> when he moved here like 10 years ago, he bought a house in uh, right by... Oh, where is that? I guess Studio City. Mm-hmm. I thought the house was big. And uh, like Hollywood Hills, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know. His second home was in Studio City. That thing was ginormous. But this Malibu house is just massive. Like five or six bedrooms. And I don't know how many bathrooms. And uh, just massive living room. And, and the fact that he had such a professional chef making meal for us. And, you know... It was good. I mean, I, I wish we had time to talk more about stuff that you want to talk to him about, but we don't have to get in detail. But um, some project you guys you were thinking about? I think. Um, but he had his family, friends, and like. He was I think his. Um, mm-hmm. You know the parents of the little kids. Yeah. I think they got mad at me because when I'm around kids, like I make them rowdier. Yeah. And she kept the mom kept being like, "Oh, you know, be quiet, get quiet, or something." Yeah. And I was just chasing them around the house. Because, like, they wanted me to. Yeah, it was fun. They were like, chase me, chase me, you know, his cousins, I guess. Is that his cousin? Yeah. And, um, I was Ava, just... Ava, the two-year-old girl. Adorable. Yeah. Adorable, yeah. So, I wonder if... No, I think they were, they were cool. Um, now, we were driving... How, what do you know, Yoshi? You're oblivious to, like... To what? Um... Because I was kind of falling asleep last hour or so. Yeah. No, I don't want to accuse you of being oblivious to, like, social norms or whatever, but as a, as a general rule, Asians are pretty oblivious. Um, what do you mean? Like, I was not paying attention, you mean, or...? <laughs> I don't know. Don't mind me. I'm just being paranoid. Um, no, I mean, they liked you, and it was a good hangout. I think it might have stayed a little long. I was worried that maybe you were getting tired driving and things like that. Um, yeah, I think we overstayed our welcome. No, I don't think so. I mean, he would have been cool. Just everybody's falling asleep. Everybody fell asleep. Um, this is supposed to be Jay-Z and Beyonce's place. Well, they, it used to be there. So right here? Yeah. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. It's so out in the open like that. Here's um, Gate. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the fact that we could see it. Like, if I was in my house, I wouldn't want to have to look out and see the highway. But isn't it crazy, like... We're only like 20 miles from Comedy Store or something. And this is so like, it seemed like a different world, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it, Malibu's not that far. So, it, it's that terrible traffic during the day that makes you feel like it's That makes another, it take yeah. an hour. Um, so, that, that was a good visit. Well, you thank you, him. thank you, Yoshi, for bringing me to Russell Peters' house. I would have never gone I on think, my um, own volition. 
when you, you have know? a chance to talk, you know, if you have career advice or something, he's really good for that, you know. Um, yeah, I would I would have loved to talk to him about my career advice, but like he was super like wrapped up with his family, and I didn't want to intrude, you know. Yeah, but you met him now, so it'll be. Cool. But at least I know him because I've I've bumped into him once at the comedy store, and I know who he is. Right. But. We were like standing with a group of people, so it's like I don't know. Sometimes it's awkward when you're meeting people, and yeah, you know, it's like you want to, yeah, kind of mingle with other comedians and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, we already talked forty minutes, and I'm um, kind of spaced out. But you know, if you let's talk, if you don't mind, as we drive over to comedy store for the next, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. So last thing we talked was you, you did Stern and. You just applied and you got on, or how, how, how did that procedure work? Um, well, they had a contest, the Hottest Funniest Trick Contest. And so what do you do? You send your clip of your show? You just um, send them a tape. So I send them a CD or yeah. a link or something. Yeah. And they uh, they said I'm in. So I was a finalist in this Hottest Funniest Trick Contest. But I'd never done a radio show or a podcast before. Sure. And I had never even listened to Stern before. So... I didn't, you know, do my research and sort of just walked into it like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, right. you know? So I didn't know that you're supposed to, like, fill dead air time. You're supposed to grab the microphone and have, you know, banter between the other girls and stuff like that. So I was really, really, really shy when I did that. Right. You how, know? Long, how long was this? Like eight years ago or something? Or? Like seven years ago, yeah. And so what was the result like? Um, so there was three of you? That's how I started? Yeah, I went first, and uh, we did a minute of comedy. Yeah. And then they talked to us. Right. And then uh, they just asked us questions, and they took our picture, and at the end, they all voted around the room, who do you think is the hottest? Right. You know? And who do you think is the funniest? And April kind of had an in because she talked about how she used to date Mitch Hedberg. I mean, Mitch uh, Fatal. Right. And Mitch Fatel used to intern at the Stern Show. Oh. So because they had that connection, right. I think they felt like, oh, we like her the most because she... We kind of Because we, we know her from through Mitch Fatel, you know? Right. So she won, um, but we all know who the real winner is. Whitney Cummings. With her two TV shows and... <laughs> Her face on billboards and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys did all well. Uh, Whitney, you know. I mean, Whitney became huge, you know. So, so overall, it was pretty friendly. It wasn't. It never got ugly with other girls, right? No, it was. Like it was. It was just more awkward, if anything, because it's like, okay, you don't have, we're you don't... not. We're not beauty contestants. We're comedians, you know. Like we're yeah. not. We're not in this to prove, oh, I'm prettier than her or whatever. So yeah. just the fact that it was a contest, like, it was kind of weird to enter a contest that's yeah. like they judge you on how hot and how how funny you are, you know? But, like, they paid me $500 and that was cool. And a good experience, right? You made the Howard Stern. And yeah. good exposure, too, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah someone even said uh, when you did your Periscope for the first time today, someone mentioned a couple of times like oh I remember from Stern I know and I'm always surprised when people remember me from Stern like that was so long ago and it was like so short I was like literally on for like two minutes mm -hmm. you know 
I'm like, how would they remember me? And, you know, how long after that you did another TV show? Like, you're doing MTV right now. How, how did that happen? Um, you just sent a tape or somebody scouted you or, you know, managed you sort of... Um, I got on Girl Code from an audition. Okay. But they have a show called Guy Code yeah. on MTV2. And apparently that was, like, huge and it was on billboards in Times Square but I was uh, like also oblivious to that I think sometimes my oblivion helps me you know mm-hmm. because it, sometimes it works in my favor and sometimes it doesn't but like well I mean I for one thing you're not you're not going to be too nervous right like exactly like if I knew like that guy code was this big show with like billboards in Times Square I would have been like oh god I hope I get this you know right. and you psych yourself out but um I had no idea. I was just like, okay, this is just another audition. And I've auditioned for, you know, X number of shows at MTV and never heard back. So I was just like, whatever, you know. Um, But it was a cool audition because I got to, like, prepare my own material. Yeah. You know, and they were like, what do you think about frenemies, waxing, and one night stands or something like that, you know. So I just went in there with my own jokes and auditioned. And then they said I got it. And I was like, fuck it. How long did you have to wait before they called you? Um... Maybe, I don't remember, maybe a few days. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's always really fast. That's why, like, when you get an audition and you don't hear back, it's usually bad news. Right. Well, it could be that, like, they liked you and maybe you were good, but um, there's other reasons, right? Like, I always find out, like, yeah, you weren't right for it, but I remember you, so we can't call you for another project. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that audition process was fairly easy because it was just like three girls in a um, in the MTV studio and they were like so young. Right. I was like, you guys are so young. Like, there's no adults in here, you know? Um, the most grueling audition that I've ever been on was for Wild and Out. What's that? It's um, Nick Cannon's Wild and Out show. You know, you don't know that show? It's on MTV I don't really, too. I guess I don't really don't watch a lot of MTV. Like Cat Williams was on it, yeah. Kevin Hart was on it, like back in the day, you know. Um, but it's a comedy rap battle show, right? And it's like a, they do improv games, but they also have like rap battles and freestyles and stuff. So I was just performing at Caroline's on a Girl Code showcase, right? And this producer from Wild and Out saw me and was like, "I want you to audition for Wild and Out," and I was like, "What's that?" You know. And, <laughs> and um, apparently it's this super popular urban, you know, yeah. rap battle show. And I started um, watching YouTube videos on how to rap. Right. And I wrote some raps. And the thing is, it's not like you really have to rap, but it's just, you know, you, they just want you to do like two liners. Yeah. And you insult somebody. It's like doing crowd work that rhymes, you know? Right. That's what rapping is on that show. Did you really want that show? Hell yeah. Oh, did you? Oh my God. Yeah, I did. Like, I prepared. And you know why I've been like, I don't know. What makes me work hard is that like, if you have to fly somewhere for the audition. Yeah. And you have to pack your bags and you have to, you know, pick your outfit for your audition before you even get on, you know, get closer to the date. I think that makes you... Like visualize yourself doing better, doing well, and makes you work harder because it makes you, it forces you to prepare. Whereas, you know, because I flew to LA for my Wild and Out audition, and 
you know, that flight is a five-hour flight. So sure. on the plane, I'm reciting my raps, you know, and I wrote raps for, like, um, each demographic that might appear in the audition because right. it was a group audition. They were like... But, you know, to me, it sounds amazing because if you if you don't have history of rapping and the fact that you do it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's, it's an easy scale. Like, it's the same footy off, you know what I mean? Well... I do. I'm glad you went in there, like you know, put all your efforts in it. Yeah, the thing is, I do write songs, so right. I, I have some experience with like slow rap. I guess yeah. <laughs> is songwriting is slow rapping, but um, so I I already had a rhyming dictionary from writing my parody songs sure. and stuff. So I just I knew there'd be a black girl at the audition. I knew there'd be a black guy. I knew there'd be a Hispanic guy, a white right. guy. So I just wrote a rap for each you know demographic when did you do this um in preparation for my while and out audition so i mean like when like a year ago or um yeah like a year and a half ago maybe is that show still going uh it's still going on yeah I see. um so when i when i prepared these raps i would like you know okay let me think of one for a black girl right yeah so be like I go up to her and say, hey girl, you look so fine. Why don't you get on your knees and do some licking? I got you a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know? Yeah. So, like, just little two-liner raps. Yeah. And I made, I wrote one for each, you know, right. person. And then at the audition, right. it was like they split us into two teams. So there's 10 people on that side, 10 people on my side. Right. And then this microphone is being passed back and forth in okay. the in the audition, and Nick Cannon yeah. is in the audition room, yeah. and he's hosting it like as if it's a taping. And right. they were also taping the audition, and you know, and there would be these lulls where like the microphone would just kind of be being passed around like a hot potato, like oh I don't want the microphone, I don't have anything, you know, because right. some people weren't prepared at the audition. Most people weren't prepared actually. Only two people, two of us made it to the next to the show basically did you make it yeah so i auditioned yeah. and i would grab the microphone and i would do this rap and it it appeared like i was thinking of it at the top of my head but right. i was just good at memorizing my pre-written raps right plus you, know? you do stand up too and that's like plus, kind of skill right I exactly mean, like you you know you build up uh, you work your act but it looks sometimes like you did it on the spot so. right i mean there are lots of moments when i'm still spontaneous on stage but right. you know okay so so then I got the show and that was like a huge accomplishment for me because I'm not sure. a rapper, you know? Right. And all these other guys on the show, they're comedic rappers or they're, you know, comedians who can rap or they're rappers right. who can be funny sometimes. And, uh, you know, I only got in two episodes, but fuck it. Like, oh, so you were on. Yeah, I got on the show. And, um, and the thing is, there's so many amazing, like... Those two weeks of rehearsals for Wild and Out was, yeah. was like the best comedy boot camp I had ever been to because right. the, those guys are amazing. The the Emmanuel Hudsons of the world, the you know the King Batches of the world, those are like the YouTube stars that have five million followers on sure. YouTube and they produce their own shit. Like I thought they were all funnier than Nick Cannon, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, but he just has the fame, the more famous name. Right. And these YouTube stars, they work so hard. They're their own wardrobe department they're their own you know a set designer they're their own uh, producer writer yeah. everything 
And I was just so like blown away. Like I was like, I'm just way in so over my you, head. So after you did two episodes, they said, uh, that's it for you or like, I mean, how did it abruptly end? Well, um, you go to rehearsal and yeah. then after the rehearsals, they announce like how many episodes that you're going to be on. And based on like how well you did in the rehearsal, right. you know, they, they assign you, you know, oh, six I episodes see. or something. And there's well, a lot this of... this is really actually interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of cast members. Right. It's, you, know, you know, it's very um, competitive and, yeah. uh, and uh, I mean, I don't blame them for only putting me in two episodes because these guys are so good. Like, they can just freestyle and yeah. like... Just like that, like the rehearsals were almost even funnier than the actual the taping. actual tapings, you know, because the tapings you got to have some level of control. Right. Um, and also, of course, they tape a lot more material than they use in the episodes. The episodes are only 22 minutes or something. So I did rap, I did freestyle to Nick Cannon, but it didn't make it in. I see. But I I did do it at the taping, <laughs> but it. It sucked that it didn't make it in. I don't know if it was too raunchy or what. What was he like? Uh, I never met the guy. Um, well, he was really nice. Um, yeah. I didn't spend too much time with him because I think he was at the gym when we were in rehearsal most of the time. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was more like we would deal with the producers more. Wait, so he was married to what's her name, right, years ago? Mariah Carey. Oh, that's who? Okay. He has Mariah's... Holy shit. He has Mariah Carey's um, name tattooed on his back. I see. Yeah. But he was really nice. So, so you've been on Howard Stern, Last Comic Standing, that show you just mentioned, and now Groco. Yeah, so you're doing great. You, you, you have a lot of credit. Well, the thing is, they're all like little credits. Yeah. It's not like I have a, a sitcom on CBS or anything. And those comedians who have those like primetime sitcom yeah. credits, like they get a lot more exposure sure. than somebody like me. You know, I'm like little here and there, you know? Do you, do you think moving to LA is like the next thing that you think you might have to do? You know, I've been coming out to LA for... Um, I had no idea. Like, I thought you just New York all the time, you know? God, I know. How come I never bumped into you here before? I've been coming out to LA for years. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I was hanging out the wrong place, maybe? or Yeah, um, man. Well, maybe we were supposed to meet now. Well, I kind of like meeting you now. That was cool. Um, well, you know, I, I, I think you seem very uh, shrewd. I'm sure you make a good decision when to move to LA if you have to do that. And I think, I think most people, whether you like LA or not, I mean, if you're if you're doing really well, the lifestyle in LA is just fantastic. No, I definitely love California. I mean, it's mar so different, right? marijuana like is like Chicago legal thing. here. Yeah, it's amazing, and every place you go, it seems thriving. It's not like a depressing town at all. You know, like mm -hmm. I love LA and. I just, I don't know, but part of it, like, I look at all these comedians who are in LA and, like, they're so bitter and a well, lot I mean, of them... What do, you, what do you think the percentage of, like, more than 50%? Are bitter? Yeah, well, what's your impression? I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. My impression is that there's just a lot of fucking comedians out here. Yeah. Like, in New York, you do a show mm -hmm. and there's usually, like, you know... There's a few comedians hanging out who aren't on the show. Yeah. Who are just hanging out, which is fine. 
But in LA, if there's 10 comedians who are booked on a show, there's 100 who are not on the show just hanging well, out. I mean, don't you think that depends on the room? Like, comedy store, yes, there's a lot of comedians just hanging out. Yeah, it does depend on the room. But, like, yesterday we did Brea. How many comedians did you see? Nobody. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. This is just the entertainment center of the universe, really. Um, yeah, like, I'm glad that I didn't start in L.A., mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm glad I started in a smaller market because it just, I don't know. I like showing up and, you know, showing up with some skill, right. you know? Like, I'm not just an open micer. Like, what a horrible feeling to be just an open micer, you know? <clears throat> well, everyone tells me this is a really tough place to play start, I guess. Um yeah, I think it would be a very tough place to start because, like, people always have a first impression of you, right. you know? And if their first impression of you is as an open micer, you're fucked, you know? Even when you get good, people still will remember how bad you sucked when you first started. So let me let me bury that in uh, in Boston, you know? That's where people think I suck. Let what's me leave it, what's that it like here. Going? When was the last time you performed in Boston? Um, I had a show in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, I know that area. Do you? Yeah. Why? Because I have friends that live in that area, so I've done tons of shows in that area. It's really nice. You have comedian friends out there? Yeah. Who? Uh, Marty Caprini. Am I saying, I don't know if I'm saying Marty's last name, but... Uh, um, I don't know Marty. There's Tom. What is Tom's last name? I mean, I, I just met them through one of my comedian friends in, like, last couple of years. Uh-huh. I haven't been there in, like, almost a year and a half, two years, but um, three years ago, I was there almost every six months performing shows there. Great audience. In fact, I like them better than New York City because New York City audience, quite often, it's touristy. Um, I kind of like, in you know, the Western Mass with down-to-earth people watching the show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I went during a snowstorm, man. I almost, like... Man, it was crazy. You'll never have that kind of problem over here, but... Um... Yo, you don't even know. Like, I rented a car. Yeah. And then, um... My car got a flat tire as I was driving So I had to, in Cambridge. And so I had to return the rental car. Go back to the rental car center get a different car but thank god my second car was a four-wheel drive I see. suv because that first one was one of those really low chargers right that was so close to the ground that like i was just scraping snow all over the place and and then i got this four-wheel drive suv this jeep i'm driving two hours west to springfield but it took me five hours or four hours to get there because it was snowing so bad and i hadn't i hadn't driven in the snow in years so i'm just like you know, I'm going a little too fast, and I start swerving, and I just completely lost control of the car on the pike. And god damn, that was fucking scary. So I'm like, here I am, like, risking my life to, like, get to this show. And I get to this college show. They were just a really cunty audience that just didn't laugh <laughs> Wait, at was anything. Something, what was it, Springfield, some university in Springfield. Uh-huh. And there was a, it was just an all white audience right. with a sprinkle of ethnic students, you know? So there's a table of like four Is black. Does it mean that you got these gigs because you're funny, but also you're on Grow Code, so you have a TV credit? 
and they're going, oh, we like that girl. But when you show up, you do act that they they're kind of surprised because... Um, yeah, it, um, because girl code, you know, they don't... Because they, se- because they censor me, yeah. you know? Like, they don't put my raunchiest shit out there. Um, so, yeah, they think I'm one way, and then they get another, you know? So, I, I show up to this show, and there's a table of four black girls sitting in the front row. Right. And, you know, the whole school... It, it's just the audience is all segregated, whatever. So, I, of course, I comment on it. You know, what am I going to do? Ignore the fact that, like... The white kids are all sitting here, and the black girls are sitting by themselves right. here, you know? So I go, oh, I want to I wanna say uh, thank you for coming out to the show. Um, a big shout-out to Bill Cosby's granddaughter and her friends for coming out to the show. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, it's really ballsy of them to come out. Thank you for, you know, coming out and supporting. And, and the, they're just... Of, uh, Santa Monica Pier. They're just really, really uptight. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really funny. I, I really do think it's really funny. They were funny. just such an uptight crowd. And when I said that, it's like I lost the audience because they're so PC. Like, they're so PC that they can't even acknowledge that they're black and that they're white. You know what I mean? It's like, I was oh, almost what, what like, was, okay. it was almost as if I was like revealing something about it. Okay, so tell me, what was black girls' uh, reaction to it? Were they offended, you think? Um, yeah, they were like, they were just like, what the fuck? You know, like they were offended too. And I'm just like, you guys need to chill out, man. Like, it was just so tense. You know? (laughs) It's like I I was like. I'm not going to lie to you. I would have laughed. It was like, I was like pointing out the emperor with no clothes on. Right. It's like I wasn't allowed to do that. So like, that's in the beginning. So hollow. Was the show just you? Um, no, it was me and another girl from Girl Code. So. And she's black, right? Yeah. So, after that show, my agent calls me and says, yeah. "Oh, you know, you're gonna have to be keep it really clean." Like this school complained, and I was like, "Fuck that school! I almost died. I drove. It took me double the time to fucking drive there in my car." And almost got stuck in a snowstorm, like, you know, one of those. Oh God! I just. But that, but but having shows like that make yeah. you appreciate every other show that goes smoothly, you know. Yeah, I'm like co- last night. I mean, I know you didn't make the kind of money that you're used to for college gigs, but like, I think for most part they enjoyed the show last night. You know, they're more down to earth. Brea, California. There are really good people there, and. Um, they seem like appreciated the show. They're not babies, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I have to say, I'm sure you probably agree with me too. College money is probably a lot better for shows like that last night, right? Obviously. Yeah, but the club audiences are much better for my ego than yeah. these college shows. Um, I was telling Russell's friend, um, who's visiting from Queens or Brooklyn, uh, he was asking me about like how are the how is the comedy clubs out here? Yeah. And you know, I prefer New York audiences because they're not as sensitive. Right. Because when I make fun of guys here, they get fucking pissed off. Because like 
I don't know what it is. Like, people are supposed to be nice to each other or something. So if I'm, like, because I go hard and I, like, you know, if I'm doing crowd work and I make fun of some dude, he's by himself, and I say, yeah, of course you're single, blah, blah, blah. And in New York, when that happens, like, those guys, they appreciate the attention that I'm giving them. And they come up to me afterwards like, hey, you really got me, you know? But here, like, they fucking get pissed off. Like, the guy last night on the show who I said, oh, you're Dennis the Menace or whatever. Because his, oh, that's right. Because his dad looked like, you know, the dad and Dennis the Menace. And I made fun of him. And, like, you in New York, that guy would have come up to me and shaken my hand and said, like, hey, that was really funny. Thanks for making my night. Why happened to but that here, But here, he just, like, left. And, you know, like, I just know that, like... People get pissed here. And it's like, I don't know if I want to move out to L.A. We're like... I, t- I think you just have to get used to it because that's how it goes. You no, know? but getting used to it equals watering down your sets. Oh, I'm, I'm saying get used to it, not really making any sort of changes, you know. I've had people enough... I've done enough shows. Of, like, I've done enough Asian shows. In the beginning, they fucking hated it. But after a while, if they realize... I don't really care what if they don't like it like they, they stop complaining because they realize what good <laughs> is that gonna do it yeah just, it's just it's who's gonna give up first you know yeah like my friend Stan Chen very funny comedian and, uh, oh my god Stan Chen why you know him oh my god I met him years ago at the Boston Comedy Festival oh now I remember he did mention you but Stan's one of my closest friends is he really? He, what is he up to now? He's doing stand-up shows. Um, he does a lot of show for a while. Oh, my God. Oh, who are those big radio guys in the Midwest? Tom and... Bob and Tom? Uh, yeah. And he's still pilot for FedEx. And, you know, it's, it's great. And But he... It's really weird. I'm way more filthier than he am. But... I do a lot better doing Asian shows in the West Coast. The reason is, <laughs> I got so used to them not liking me. Like, I don't care. Uh-huh. I'm not going to change for you. You don't like it. And right. I bombed so many times after a while. Like, I don't like it, but it's, I'm not going to cry about it. You know? Right. Yeah. It's like having sex with a girl and, like, okay, you didn't go well with this girl. That doesn't mean you're not going to try it again with another girl. You know, like, get yeah. over it, you know. But he was really surprised how PC it was over here. But my attitude is just like, I just keep throwing down their throats and throats. And if they don't like it, that's their problem. You know? Right. <laughs> that's why I really support him and you and anyone else complaining us during stand-up. Because it's not easy to do it. And two, those people are idiots just complain. Yeah, I think it's pointless for comedians to fight with each other. No, I don't I like, like what you said last night. We had to support each other no matter what. Because you were like... Because, you know, you and I had never met before. But no. I've pissed off Asian men before. And, you know, and you were like, I don't have a problem with you. As long as you're not stealing jokes. I don't care what you do on, say on stage. Yeah. Just you know? because that guy's mad, that doesn't mean somebody else didn't enjoy it. Right. You did, you know. Yeah. And, and I the, can and, respect that. And I think... I know when someone's been malicious and like I watched you, I didn't sense any malice at all. This is like the way you see it. So it's his problem. It's something that he have to deal with, you know? Right. If some comic says something about Asian women or whatever, either you take it or... I mean, there's a million comedians who do jokes about, like Jewish comedians who do jokes about like, 
not liking Jewish girls, you know, like, and then people, whatever. Yeah, get over it, you know. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for girls, uh, you know, perhaps thinking about coming to uh, New York to do show business or L.A.? Because you're a veteran, you went through that. Any advice? Yeah. Um, well... Like, if there's an Asian girl trying to do comedy now, uh-huh. what what do you wish you you wish you would have known? What do I wish one? I would have known? In the stuff that you know now. Right. Um, hold on, let me get off at this right exit here. Like, you should have gone to New York right away. Yeah. Um, I mean... Like, you, you just have to create your own path. Yeah. You know, you just have to follow your instincts. Like, yeah. I moved to New York, and I was glad I did. And you just have to do what's right for you. Sure. You know, like, there's no set way. So it's hard to say, like, oh, I'm going to give you advice like this, you right. know. Um, I definitely wish I would have taken more acting classes, like, earlier on. Oh, is that right? Or, like, had been more... Um, professional with like my headshots and stuff um so just getting like your you know like the administrative stuff out of the way I I wasn't so good at that you know yeah so I think that takes a little patience and skill and it takes slowing down because you know I would just like go to comedy clubs like night after night after night after night and it's like had I realized if I took one night off to just like organize my administrative stuff sure. I would have gotten a lot more done or you know my marketing you know uh, promotional tools would have been more like up to date or sure. you know shit like that like the, the not so fun stuff like the, the fun stuff is doing shows you know right so but that stuff is also important and I think it's easy to lose track of you know what's important when you're just constantly doing shows um, I think that's about an hour. And how far are we from Comedy Store? Twelve minutes. Really? Where the hell are we? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where we are. Um, but do you want to get donuts? Fine. Fine. <laughs> no, I mean I don't care. You're driving. Actually, I'm just so glad that I met you. Like, I'm I'm so happy. Like you made my trip to LA amazing. But, I mean, don't you have? Like, I do this kind of conversation with Rosie, too, because she feels frustration with some of the bullshit over here. And um, it's not like, you know, bitching or whatever, but sometimes you can only talk to people who do what you do. Yeah. Like, even with your closest family member, whatever, or a boyfriend, whatever, they're sympathetic. They want to help you, but they don't do it. So they don't know exactly what you go through. Does that make sense? So yeah. when you talk to someone, like, there's a bit of a relief. I don't think I have a solution. Right, I don't have to like explain my whole life when no. I explain a problem to There's you. There's like a shortcut. Like a, I know exactly when you say something. I mean, yeah. When you say you didn't like somebody, I I had laughed because you know exactly why you don't like someone. Right. You know. <laughs> but because I think I think to me, even if you're not a successful comic, I think what what I like about comedians, they have awareness, right? Yes. Like they notice things that non-comedians don't know, just like. If you're talking cops and detectives, they'll tell you, you know what I mean? Like, they deal with criminals. They can only talk to other cops. So, anywho. Yeah, it's a good conversation. I mean, I, uh, I'm glad. Um, 
we're on the same page. I'm glad you talked to Rosie. Yeah, I'm I think. I'm glad you're hanging um, out with Michael, and I hope you get the chance to talk to Bernadette, and um, you know, maybe we do, maybe we'll do something. But um, you know, I mean, literally, I've just known you like 24 hours. <laughs> I know, but it's been so fun. So, yeah, um, I think, I think, um, I think you. Uh, because you've been around for so long, so like you. You know, I appreciate all the advice that you give me and like the ideas that you have and you know, where you see stuff going in the future. I mean, I don't want to say like, I, I, I could give you a really good professional advice because I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's- But you it's, do know what you're talking about. Like you've seen like tons of comedians, you know, come and go and it's, it's nice to get like a fresh new perspective. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody's point of view on your career, you know? Well, I, th- I think I, I'm more because I don't. I think have a lot of success in it, but I do think I'm talking about like life in general. Right. Um, there's some ugliness that people behave once they have success or not having. I don't know. Just, you know, you've seen that stuff. Yeah. You seems to get like you don't have to be bitch about. Oh, I know where we are now. Finally. Um, all right, well, I, I, I think uh, I'm glad you're here. I think uh, I like this uh, direction you're going with seeing a couple of my friends or mutual friends, and I like the fact you like Stan Chen, so. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I mean, oh, my uh, God. I met him so long ago. I remember the business card he gave me because he looks like my brother on his business card, or in person, I mean. So. I, I got and I And I still have some emails from him. I could Google it. I'm sure I can find them. Yeah, I, I forgot. Like, and if I, you, and I also want to say, if you've never seen Yoshi perform live, you have to go see him perform. He is so fucking funny. Oh my god. I was okay. I, it was fun though. No, if you if that is that if that's what you call an okay set, I want to see you when you're like better than okay because you said you were holding back. But that was so fucking funny. Like, well, you know, um. We, we could finish with this, but uh, um, I'm not I'm not appalling this example. I used to live around this neighborhood in Beverly Hills when my friend Joey used to live here. I love this part of Beverly Hills. It's fantastic. In fact, I like this area better than Malibu. Something about nice. Beverly Hills. But, yeah. um, um, I don't know. I don't, uh, you know, Stan Chin's a huge fan of golf, and we were we were having conversation. We were talking Tiger Woods. There was a, I know he's been struggling the last three four years, but prior to that, he was dominating like crazy, right? Like second Who, place. Stan? No, no, uh, t- Tiger Woods. <laughs> he was just he was just dominating, right? Uh huh. But this is how great he is. Even though he was winning most tournaments and Masters, he decided like now he's just competing against himself. He on purpose changed his style swinging, uh, not competing against others, but he was trying to make himself better, right? So, for a long time, I'll do shows where joke, 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 joke. Well, but what does that mean? It's, 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 some of the stuff is funny, but okay, I just come up and I'm just a monkey, tell you jokes and you laugh, right? Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes maybe you just hold back, not worrying about not having laughter every second. But like I don't know, give point of view and like give a story or something, because I I know um, people people get scared when you're doing comedy. Like if you're not getting kind of response or they're silent, um, I'm I'm 
I'm I'm comfortable with it. Like, because, <laughs> you know, I did some joke, 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 but there's a po- period where I was telling kind of story. Because I bombed so much, I, uh-huh. I don't really have a fear of that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I travel so much. I've been to places where people's lives are so miserable. Like, why am I being such a fucking baby? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And we should be a little bit more appreciative. But I, uh, I've been kind of enjoying, like, telling long-winded stories pepper with a little bit of like a funny things in between but like point of view like i i, I kind of want at the end of the show i don't really give a shit if they like me but i want them to get to know me a little and i think when you're young i mean i mean i feel like i'm 46 i've started feeling like i finally kind of know a little bit about myself mm-hmm. but takes a long time to know yourself right yeah and that's why um for a long time, I kind of didn't like Mark Maron, but like I've been listening to his episodes lately. I didn't listen for a long time. Why man. didn't you like him? Because I met him a couple of times. He was kind of jerk to me. <laughs> I don't think now looking back, I don't think he was trying to be a jerk, but it was not very friendly, I guess. But I've been listening to his podcast, and recently he did one with President Obama. It was fantastic. I, th- I think you're never going to be like big time arena filling stand up like Russell mm-hmm. but I feel like he really know himself and I think I admired that by him I think um, I've I've been listening to Mark Maron for yeah. like a year or two years and um, he is very intelligent in like analyzing like he can be a psychologist yeah because he's so good at like getting to you know people's why they became a performer and what propelled them to want to pursue a career in show business and usually it stems from some deficiency in their childhood and he's so good at getting to that point in his um and he's very honest he doesn't try to hurt you or humiliate you you know what i mean it's no he's uh, so honest about himself and he completely bears his soul and like what he's angry about like on his podcast you know which i think is why he's so popular you know and i really appreciate like all the interviews he's done and i learned so much and i wouldn't have started going to therapy if it wasn't for listening to maren's podcast because are you serious yeah like i i i always thought of like therapy as like oh um you know I was always, it was such a foreign concept to me sure. going to a therapist because I'd never been to a therapist or my parents never took me or, you know, I never got It's that. never Asian thing, is it? Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. there is no therapy industry in Korea, you know, right. not that I know of or have heard of. So, it's like, to go to a therapist seems like just such a, like, rich person thing to do right you know and i was like that's not me like i don't have money to go see a therapist and then also why am i going to tell my secrets to this one lady you know like then she's going to know my secrets and here i am trying to like build a career like there's going to be somebody out there that knows my secrets and it was just stupid because you just get in the way of yourself and then i listened to Marin's podcast and i just noticed a theme in like all of his guests like they had all been through therapy not all of them but a lot of people who really knew themselves well had been through a lot of therapy and they just kept talking about therapy and it just seemed wonderful it's interesting because you know like psychotherapy and things like that you know starting with sigmund freud it's relatively new right like it's probably the last 150 years or something like that 
but you go back like Socrates, you know, in Greece said, know thyself, you know, like you need to know yourself. And I, I have to say, even though I'm this old, I'm very conflicted because intellectually, I know it's a good thing and more people should do it, especially Asian people. And I say that I, I encourage people to do it. But when it comes to me actually doing it myself, I'm very hesitant. You've never been to a therapist? No. <gasps> Yoshi. I mean, I, I, I did this weird thing in high school where they used to have this thing called uh, CAP, <laughs> which is stand for Center for Alternative for Today's Stress. And like, it was like a group where you go and help other people, right? So instead of dealing with my problem, I will listen to people. And like, when, as soon as I hear someone with similar problems, I just pretend like I'm helping the problem, but actually it was, they might say something that could be helpful to me, you know? Right. Um, but in my journey, which, right? which is what the basis of group therapy is. Yeah. So I did that, and like, there's alcoholism and addiction problem in my family. So mm -hmm. I used to go AA meeting when, I, even when before I was a drinker, you know, in high school. I remember I didn't. Really you went to AA meetings before you started drinking. I mean, that's hilarious, Yoshi. That's so I mean, funny. I don't think I have problem drinking, but like, um, when I used to go to Torrance High in you know Southern California. My aunt owned a bar, so the bar was right by the school. Mm -hmm. The only reason I was able to go to Torrance High because we used the bar's address. But every morning, my uh, you used the bar's address. I love it. That's so cool. I was illegal alien, and I was going illegally wrong school district too. But um, I would used to clean the bar before going to school, and like I used to have a glass or two drinks of beer going to high school. You know, like I was in like tenth grade. Uh huh. I, I always brought plenty of uh, chewing gum because, you know, if I have a one or two glass of beer, <laughs> it's always funny. Like, I never got caught. But, yeah, I had access to beer, like, when I was 10th grade because I would clean the place in the morning, mop the bar, you know, clean the place up, and then go to school. Um, but I, I, I think... <laughs> I, 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 I do feel, like, weird, weird spot. Losing a job... Because I had that porn job for so long, mm -hmm. I didn't. I wasn't doing a lot of shows. I just feel like I had a routine and I was happy with the people I work with. So last year, losing the job, not having money, I kind of had to deal with things that was bothering me in past year. You know, right. as a kid, um, I'm start talking more about it, and um, that's why I'm glad that I got laid off from my job when I did. Because you get sucked into working this day job. and You don't really have time even to think about your problems, you know. Well, not only that, you don't have time to go out to comedy shows and yeah. work on your sets, you know. Like, when you have a day job, it sucks you in. And then they, they're paying you, so you're like, why am I going to leave this to yeah. go work a job where I don't get paid yet, you know. But uh, I kind of got a kick in my butt when I got laid off of my job in Boston and was like, fuck it, I'm moving to New York. And if I hadn't gotten laid off, maybe I would have still been in Boston. And you're you're way smarter than I am. You made a really good decision, you know. And part of the problem when I look back, because sometimes my friends would tell me a story from past. Like I was so angry, from I didn't the even. Past. I, 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 I love your English, Yoshi. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't. It's like almost good. I I was, <laughs> I was so angry. I wasn't. I wasn't even interested in, in, in laughter. I was so mad. I'll take it out on the audience. So I would do some most vile, angry material, and uh -huh. just ruining people's night. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Be 
and you know, people's like, you're, you know, they were saying like, you know, we do think you're funny, but sometimes the edgy stuff is too much. They can't take it anymore, you know? Um, you probably want to go all the way up to the light, turn left into the parking area. Okay. Oh, unless you know someplace you, you could park. What do you park usually? Because comedy stores are up, way up, no one's yeah. right inside. Right, right, right. Okay, I'll take a left. Um, and go into this parking lot right here? There's parking lot or um, maybe one or two blocks past that place, you might have public parking, you know? And I think we only have to pay for the next hour and a half. Um, okay. I hurry, so anyway, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that this second part of this podcast, we we're kind of talking about this because it was really hard. And I told some of the crazy stuff I've done in Japan and yeah, I don't randomly attack people physically, but people who I think did wrong, like my solutions always been, you know, use violence and things like that. Well, fuck, me too. I mean... But, I mean, you, you, you're not a six-foot-one Asian guy either, you know? Like, right. But, um, yeah, I'm talking more about it. Um, I'm, I'm trying not to uh, have regrets because it just it doesn't do you any good. Somebody wants to regret it's like ghost. It just come, come always come back and hunt you for the rest of your life. I just have to let that pass and, you know... I was well, angry with a lot of people. That's why I recommend going to see a therapist. I don't... If I have the money, I mean, it's it's even weary that I even gave possibility of even doing it, and that's a big change from three years ago. I was just, I was so hostile. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Christina Pizensky, but she's uh, she's married to Tom Segura, and I told her some personal stuff, and they don't judge, and she was very helpful. And I go see my therapist one up, but um, mm-hmm. I like Christina. She's nice. So and that's she's where so I'm funny. at. Um. This is episode 139, and I think I have, uh, after this, I have 50 more episodes I'm done. But, um, yeah, I'm glad you, you were able to do this podcast. Um, I'm glad I know you're going to get get along with my f- friends, female friends doing comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you were... No, I'm so glad that we met yesterday. So... Yeah, so if you guys, um, yeah, there should be some parking spot right inside. <laughs> yeah, so let's, I guess we should stop soon, but um, we'll drive around for a little bit, find a spot, but um, thanks for doing it. I'm, uh, no, thank you. I, uh, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want to drop, I don't want to drop the guy's name, but I know you'll be doing this very famous person's podcast sometime this year. I'm very excited about it because I think uh, you'll do really well in it. And, oh, perfect. And I'm a master parallel parker. Watch this. And um, you're going to do well. And I like the fact that this person asked you to do it. So I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, thanks for doing it. Uh, well, sometimes, you know, I told another comedian mm-hmm. that um, I was like, oh, yeah, so-and-so asked me to do their podcast. And they were like, oh, he just wants to fuck you. And I'm just like, fuck you, man. Uh, it's like, absolutely like because this person is not like that at all. Absolutely not at all. Right? No. Yes, I agree. I think most people could figure out who it is, but I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> but he, he's absolutely funny, um, successful, and an honorable guy. So. Yeah, I get that sense too, even though I just met him also. All right, uh, Esther, thanks. Uh, do you want to tell them your website or uh, Twitter account or something? 
Um, yeah, my website is funnycoo.com. My Twitter is estercoocoo. My YouTube channel is slash oldies parodies. My Instagram is estercoocoo. All right, and I hope uh, you ended up doing Rosie Trans podcast out of the box uh, podcast. I'm doing that Sunday. Oh, you are? Yeah. Awesome. All right, that's why Rosie's sneaky. Sneaky Asian strikes again. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, Esther, thanks, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.